Hello and welcome to Morgan Latif Presents. I'm Oliver Morgan, co-founder and director of Morgan Latif and your host. And in this episode, I'm joined by Carolyn Lum, Head of Continuous Improvement at Philips. Carolyn talks us through her lean transformation journey at Philips, how when she joined, they decided to focus initially on three lean tools of daily management, problem solving and Kaizen. And then a little bit about what she looks for in those lean leaders to drive the continuous improvement journey with her. I hope you enjoy. Karen, thank you uh, so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Really glad to be here today. So uh, just to start with, I'd be really interested if you could just tell us a little bit more about Philips, um, why you decided to join and uh, where they were at in their uh, lean transformation journey uh, when you joined them. Yeah, very good. So I started with Philips exactly six years ago uh, in October of 2014. Um, what excited me about Philips was the transformation of the company from really an industrial conglomerate <clears throat> making many things that I think some of you have in your house, like maybe a TV or an air fryer. Uh, and the vision and the strategy of the company to move more towards health tech technology. This was a key reason why I decided to join Philips. The vision of the company to really be an important player in all of our lives to improve healthcare for everyone around the world is inspiring. Um, it's a big challenge. And as we all are going through the COVID crisis in 2020, we really do understand as a Philips company how our strategy has helped during the crisis and how it will continue to help in the future of fighting this crisis and potentially any new ones in, in the future. When I came to Philips in 2014, we were in a lean transformation journey. But what I found was that people were doing lean in pockets. And because Philips is a huge company, a lot of people came from many companies to Philips. And of course, everybody wants to do things their way. So when I came, I found a lot of people doing lean, but lean in different ways. I think the important thing that we've done in the last six years was try to create a common language across the company. So we don't discuss which lean methodology we're going to use. Rather, we align around one lean methodology and use that as a common language to drive change and continuous improvement. I think the other thing that's been extremely important is the cultural change of our leadership. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later, but I think this has also been a key change in the last few years of really changing the way our leadership thinks about lean, not as a tool set that people use, rather something that they also as leaders have to use. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd definitely be interested uh, after we've talked a little bit more about the, the Phillips journey to talk about your view on, uh, on what, what is really important in, in leadership in, in this aspect. Um, when you joined, how you said that there were different pockets of, uh, of, of lean going on. Um, what steps do you, do you take to evaluate the, the current state when you go into such a big, complex organization? Yeah, it, it, and any good leader comes to a company and observes for a while before they make any drastic change. So I spent a lot of time at the beginning, maybe the first three months, going around the world when it was possible then to see the different sites and to see the way people were driving lean. Um, and I think, to me, I, I'm a, I think I'm rather simple in that I like to pick out a few things that I'd like to start with. So when I came to Philips, they had an extensive lean toolkit, probably the most extensive lean toolkit that I've ever seen. But I think sometimes when you're confronted with the variety, it's confusing. And so I 
looking at what people were doing and how their selection of tools was, was a key factor in the first three to six months. And I remember speaking with our CEO for the very first time when he asked me, you've been here now for six months, what do you think we need to do? Uh, and my, my thought there was we need to focus on the vital few. And we picked out some key tools that I thought would form the basis of creating this culture. And those three tools were daily management, <clears throat> problem solving, and Kaizen events. So building some basic capability across the whole enterprise. So we aligned around those three things. And I would say in the last six years, we really improved our capability and the quality with which we use these tools. So that was for me the key thing, Getting, picking out three things we wanted to do well, mm -hmm. making sure that people were armed and ready and capable and trained to do these three things well, and then exercising, exercise, exercise, exercise. And I would say six years later, we are really very good at, at these three basic tools. And our plans for the future are to expand our toolkit um, to what we call the eight basic core tools. I can understand that sometimes the complexity can uh, can cause confusion. I'd be quite interested. How did you decide that these were the three tools that you'd start off with uh, initially? Uh, well, when we talk about tools, and uh, if you think about your home, there's three basic tools that everybody have, I, I think. And I'm not a big uh, hand worker, so I don't have this huge toolkit. But I think everybody in their house has a screwdriver, a hammer, and a pair of pliers. And I equate these three tools to those three basic tools because if, because most problems can be solved with basic tools. Um, so you don't need a special tile cutting machine in every household unless you're going to redo your bathroom, which most of us don't do on our own. But you do need the three basic tools. So I think that was the, the my reasoning for picking out those three. Also, if I look back at say the over 30 years that I've been doing lean, I find that enterprises who do these three things well as a basis, build upon that. So, and, and can't really use the higher tools well unless you've picked out these three. For example, problem solving. If you apply lean to something that's not a problem, you're probably investing some resources into something that is not the best use of your time. So I think using problem solving to understand what problem I'm trying to solve and saying, do I really want to spend the time to solve this problem helps you set the tone for the rest of your agenda. That's one reason why we picked out these three tools. Right. Okay. So if, if you have that daily management in place, you at least have what good looks like and uh, exactly. can then solve problems against that. We, we say if you do daily management well, you know if you're winning or losing. And uh, you don't necessarily need to spend too much time on something that you're winning at. You really do need to focus on the things that are red, the things that are giving you problems. So daily management helps you find the red. Problem solving helps you understand why is it red and what things do I need to do? And then the Kaizen event helps you focus in on what you've identified in the problem solving and hopefully you make it better. Yeah, and for me, that's yeah. a good recipe over the last 30 years. When you started, were there particular regions or functions or um, let's say hotspots where you uh, initially focused? Yeah, that's a good one. So we, we apply some good problem solving at the enterprise level to understand where we needed to focus on. And of course, we looked at the company financials and we tried to understand which areas of the company needed more help than others. And I wouldn't say we picked a geographic region per se. We picked a, a part of our business that was maybe more global um, to focus on. So you know, we didn't try to, to do everything at once. 
and we use good problem solving skills to under, understand the highest bar on the Pareto to help us focus where we work. And, and at the time when I joined six years ago, we really wanted to put some more rigor into our sales processes. And this is not typically a place where you start, but for us six years ago, this was a place where I thought we needed more help. Um, so you, you might traditionally start in manufacturing, but I would say six years ago, we focused more on the commercial part of our organization. And that's where we, we put a lot of our resources in at the very beginning. So you often find a little bit more resistance as well, isn't it? In terms of uh, salespeople saying we don't follow a process. It's about the yeah. relationship. So, uh, and and we're, we're very creative people and standard work. It's not something that you hear a lot in the sales organization. But, you know, if you look at a company's financial, most people are spending more money on their commercial organization these days than in manufacturing. So you really want to focus on where you can get the biggest bang for the buck. And, and for us, six years ago, that's where we decided to start. I think it seems really valuable as well that you tie in everything to the, the business goals and you seem mm -hmm. really focused that the, the business transformation is, is an enabling the business to achieve that. And I think sometimes that's also lost in organizations where you just end up doing lean for lean sake. So yeah. that's yeah. valuable as well. Yeah. I think that comes a lot from, you know, my background is, is really looking at integrations of companies. And when you integrate a company into your existing company, you take a look at their financial performance to understand where is it that they could get started when you buy them? And, and that I do now inside of Philips where before when I worked at the company I previously worked at, I spent a lot of time integrating companies. So taking that approach to look at the financial, understand where the business need more help and to act like a business partner rather than a lean consultant. So everyone in my team uh, looks at the business as much as they look at what they're doing on lean. And, and I would say these days probably more. Is I want them to be an integral part of the of the organization they work at, not some part of the, the company that does lean and then we just we look at them as a separate part. All of the, the teams that I have globally are integrated into the business or the commercial organization that they work with. That's, I imagine that's really valuable. You also mentioned um, the CEO briefly, and I know from uh, our discussions that um, having him brought in was was extremely valuable. Um, and I speak to many people that, that say without that top management support, it, it's an uphill struggle. Absolutely. Um, could you give a bit of an insight into to how you managed to get him so involved and, and even uh, really driving then um, the, the lean transformation at Philips? In our case, I think it was a relatively easy task because uh, Franz, our CEO, had joined Philips in 2011 as CEO, and he wanted to put us on an operational excellence journey. So he had this vision in his mind starting already when he came. I think the key for us in 2014 was to focus on the vital few, where do we use the lean tools, um, and also the cultural shift in the mindset of our leadership. And this also came with strong sponsorship from his side. In the last few years, we've also spent a lot of time, effort, and resources in pointing out to leadership that this cultural change of driving lean through leadership must come from the top. And I know a lot of companies where the CEO wants to do this, um, but somehow we don't get the next layers to buy in. And in the last four years, starting around 2017, we spent time with executives. For example, we spent five days executive lean leadership with top 1000 people in the company. 
Um, a very intense training, starts early in the morning, goes late at night, five full days, talking about the lean journey, the lean toolkit, and what is the role of leadership? And this was a key for us because it's good if the CEO wants to do it, but you have to go through the next layers. And I sometimes think that people don't spend enough time at the next layers to, to drive this because leaders have to role model the behavior. They have to show people how important it is to use lean to do the things they need to do. And so I think from that perspective, he had a very strong vision from the very beginning. Uh, it made parts of my job very easy. Not to say that the journey was easy. I definitely think he was he was there to help me with some of the roadblocks that we encountered. And were there um, uh, particular areas of uh, resistance or challenges that you faced uh, along the journey so far? I think there's, there's always a, a group of, of the population that will not be your early adopters. So when we teach lean leadership, there's a video that we show. It's the, the shirtless guy. I don't know if you've seen it. Maybe we can include the link. But it talks about finding your early adopters. And I think in any big change like this, you have to find the the early adapters, the people who you can work with to show your success, who also create the influence to the rest of the organization. So I always encourage my people to find the early adapter, to work with the early adapter and to make that person a rock star, you know, rock star so that everyone starts to understand or look at the rock star and say, I wanna be more like that. So what did you do to, to get there? And I think using this, um, this influencing tactic has helped us quite a bit. And there were plenty of early adapters to find at Phillips, and, and there are still very many. Uh, and they helped us pull along the people who might not have been the first early adapters. But in any transformation, there are gonna be people who are early adapters, there are gonna be people in the middle who follow, and there's always gonna be a small portion of the population who might not ever make the change. But I do think we've passed the hump and we're, we're, we're through the majority and there's still, there's not so many people that are uh, not jumping up and dancing with us like the video. That's good. And uh, I can imagine then that choosing your early adapters is a really important thing to get right to, uh, to ensure success. Are there any um, things that you looked for um, outside of just an interest in lean that, uh, that helped you make that decision? I think early adapters are relatively easy to pick out in the crowd. They tend to be the people who are open to new ideas, who uh, aren't immediate naysayers, and they, they seem to want to try and test the hypothesis. And so when I came to Phillips in 2014, I was very fortunate to have been introduced to an earlier adapter just by chance, as a matter of uh, luck, because we had just purchased a new company and I was supporting the integration. Um, and the executive who was driving this integration was extremely open to new ways of working and allowed us to experiment. Uh, and it may be not the typical Phillips way of driving lean. And through this experimentation, we saw many successes very early on that we typically hadn't seen with the previous approach of lean. So we were very lucky to find the first early adapter. And once you get some success, the other early adapters come out naturally because they, they see the success and they are very curious about how did you get there so quickly. So I think through a, a series of early successes, we drew out other early adapters and, and then more and more people come out and then suddenly you have a lot of people dancing with you and doing lean. So I think in that respect, we were quite fortunate. 
you mentioned as well and uh, um the early adapters hold these leadership positions and uh, um i was quite interested to get your thoughts on um, effective lean leadership and, and what that looks like outside of the the technical skills um, for yeah for you what's your thoughts on that yeah to me an effective lean leader is someone who demonstrates servant leadership uh, a person who understands the tools and and maybe they're not the best people using all of the lean toolkits but they they understand like when you go into a a home improvement store, they understand when you come into the, the store, you, you have a problem and you need to solve it. They can coach you a little bit on which tool you might want to use. Um, because when you go to a home improvement store, not everybody knows how to use every tool perfectly. So I think this, this, this servant leadership of coaching people to drive problem solving, to ask for coaching and to be able to deliver coaching is very important. I think also letting people trial do trial and error so helping them use the lean tools to to hypothesis test to see how they can close the gap without always telling them you know better than they do so to, to us servant leadership is the key element of executive leadership support not trying to do it all yourself rather doing lean through the teams that you manage and i think you have to know how lean works because I always use the analogy, if you have a child and they're going to a football and they're on a football team, you would hope that the football coach knows how to play football because they're probably not a very effective coach to your child if they've never played football themselves. And I think that's a good analogy to use in lean. So if your leaders don't know anything about lean, they can't really coach you. This is why we spent so much time with these executives in the five-day executive lean leadership. I can um, I can imagine that and it's actually um, often one of the skills or um, characteristics that's a little bit more difficult to identify um, in an interview process, for example, but um, when you are looking to select people for your team, what kind of um, signs do you look for that shows they might have that servant leadership mentality or approach? Um just servant leadership, I think, so to me, when I interview my team, servant leadership is important. The way they talk about driving, the way they've driven change historically in their career. So when they talk more about what they've done versus what their team has done, this is also a sign. I also look for strong co-responsibility skills. So I, I, so sometimes people talk about lean as being consultants, and I think I look at our team as being co-responsible. So I've mentioned that earlier. I want our people not to feel like they're the lead coach and the coach can kind of leave if the game is not, they're not winning. I want them to feel like they have skin in the game. So they're just as responsible as the people running the business. This is why it's important for them to understand the financial status of where they're working on because I don't want them to suggest to work on something that is not the biggest pain for the business. I think co-responsibility, the ability to work hand in hand with the team and not just be a consultant, and also the servant leadership through how have they done things in the past are key things I look for when I interview for people on my team. Thank you for that. It's really valuable. Does it uh, um, change across different cultures? Because um, obviously Philips as a global enterprise is, yeah. uh, is present in, in most countries. So uh, yeah, yeah. how have you found that? It's a very good question. There are always cultural differences that I think must be respected. But I find it with lean because lean uses so much common sense, you know, doing daily management to understand if you're winning or losing, 
doing problem solving, if you understand that you're losing and applying Kaizen to that pain point, I don't find that that recipe needs to be changed anywhere in the world. I think if you start with that sequence of events, it seems to work everywhere. Of course, there are some cultural differences with how people look at seniority and the type of dialogue that people have, but the basic recipe of using the tools and, and essentially that sequence seems to work pretty much the same everywhere in the world. And we have people everywhere in the world and I can tell you we follow the same recipe. Right. And the thinking to the future, um, um, because you mentioned you've been in Philips for six years now and uh, um, you did mention about the offsite where uh, you had the top thousand leaders um, come and be trained in the leadership. Um, I can imagine that positions in leadership change and mm -hmm. um, it'd be interesting to understand how do you maintain momentum um, yeah. once you've been through that process? Is that something a challenge yeah. you've, you've faced? It's a good question and you're right there's always a lot of fluctuation and change in leadership so we monitor the this fluctuation and we do also monitor the training that goes along with that so we uh, we are right now in the process of updating the status of which executives are new and who needs to be trained in the future who who haven't been here during the period that we did it so this training we will constantly update and keep new leaders trained um, and I think it's also important to just just good daily management on that. And uh, we provide updates to our executive committee on, on lean education and lean certification on a regular basis. I can imagine it's also hard um, when a lot of the lean implementation that I've witnessed is actually done at Gemba. And um, yeah. having yeah. coronavirus, um, is that also a challenge yeah. you face, having to continue that momentum remotely? Yeah. We found, though, that the people who did who in the past years have built a strong culture and system of daily management have found Corona to be no problem because it's, it's, it's this, uh, you know, I, was, I was speaking to someone last week and she, she runs our Nordic organization. She talked about her daily management. She said, yep, every Friday we go through everything and through our daily management and we can see what's red, what's great, where do we spend our time? I think if they hadn't spent that time you know, doing that over the past couple of years, they would they would have had a harder time with Corona. Yeah, I can imagine having the, yeah. the systems and structures and processes yeah. in place. Yeah. So sure. I think a lot of our leaders um, who had it and have it still are very appreciative that they they spent the time in the last couple of years to build it. Yeah. So, uh, Carolyn. Um, Thank you so much for your time and, and insights uh, into the lean transformation journey at Philips and uh, some of the opportunities to come. Um, we'd be interested just to get a brief summary of a couple of uh, key takeaways from the discussion, if, if people should remember anything from our talk. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. So I think in summary, the very important things that I, I would ask you to consider in your lean journey is make sure you have a very clear strategy where you want to go. And also, as we mentioned, important to have the CEO support along with the top leadership of your company. So you're going to have to spend a lot of time helping them along the lean journey. And I think to me, it's always critical to build a world-class team. So make sure you understand what you're looking for, define the criteria of the team members that you, you need, and to hunt effectively throughout the world to make sure you get those people on your team. And I think once you have the right team, the rest of it seems to go pretty automatic. And I, I would have to say it's made my life a lot easier in the last six, 
years. So very good luck to all of you on your lean journey. Perfect. Thanks a lot again. Take care. Uh, you're welcome.